tonight on Rogue Padron. 17 going on 70. Akbar is too old for this mess. And a bunch of names I will not be able to pronounce. <laughs> so true. Like, so it true. It was like, Chapter how 12. is he going to say all of this? <laughs> She's not. <laughs> <laughs> not going to happen. We're just going to stop. Um... This is Rogue Leader. All wings report in. Rogue 6, standing by. Rogue 7, standing by. Rogue 3, standing by. to Season 3, Mission 3 of Rogue Padron. Uh, just a quick reminder of your hosts, which I need to pull up the thing that I wrote the stuff on. We have Danny, Rogue 6. That's me. If he was an 80s action movie star, he would be Arnold Schwarzenegger from Terminator, because no matter how many times he gets fired, he'll be back. <laughs> oh, I get it. I get it. Oh, I get it. Yeah, that's funny. I was like, where's she going with this? I have nothing in common with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, literally zero. <laughs> zero literally. of the things. You're not, like, the biggest buff dude ever? Surprise. Wait, does that actually surprise you? <laughs> in, I've seen I've seen you. In Japan, in they call him Shuachan because they can't pronounce Schwarzenegger. Wait, what do they call it? Shuachan? That's pretty cute. Yeah, Shua Chan. They call they call they use Chan for him. Yeah, they use Chan for him. <laughs> so good. Uh, for those who don't know, Chan is like is a uh, suffix with like a term of endearment. Usually, only people who are uh, feminine or who are like really good friends can use that for each other. <clears throat> and then we have Seth, Rogue Seven, who would be Sylvester Stallone in any movie because sometimes you can't really tell what she's saying, but it doesn't matter in the end. <laughs> love it also he is dread so i'm into that yeah <laughs> what's up he was dread oh i didn't understand her oh <laughs> doesn't matter <laughs> does not matter we have heath rogue six who would be danny glover and lethal weapon because he's usually in bed when he podcasts and he's clearly getting too old for this shit. <laughs> so true <laughs> way too old <laughs> how many more years till and you I... can retire <laughs> too many <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Meg, Rogue Leader, and I obviously would be Carl Weathers in Predator because pushing pencils had made me soft. Obviously. <laughs> obviously, for those who need to watch Predator more, which is apparently everybody. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, never yep. seen it. Guilty. <laughs> oh, what? I haven't seen it either. So oh my I'm gosh. Predator <laughs> celebration. Meg is going to disown the entire Padron. <laughs> Movie night is celebration. It's we happening. Watching, yeah, Wednesday night, we are watching Predator. <laughs> In other news, celebration is going to be literally 37 days long, so we can do all the things that we keep saying we're going to do. Yep. I'm okay with that. <laughs> and uh, a quick note, not about celebration, but actually about the podcast. Um, so we were having some email issues where 
all of our forwarding was set up and supposed to work and it didn't. So if you had sent us emails um, in response to our listener questions or just to say, hey, we're so awesome, um, we didn't get them until very recently. So we are still working on it, but now we know to, that we actually need to check the actual email account and not just wait for them to be forwarded to us. <laughs> so we're sorry for any delays in those, um, but we figured out a kind of solution. So thanks for I your I love patience. technology. It's so reliable. Right. So reliable. <laughs> <laughs> we discovered that we have to do actual work to find your emails yep. instead of them just appearing they should just appear right into my brain yeah where is that technology <laughs> it's coming I'm sure hurry up science come on science we need that <clears throat> speaking of coming <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about Poe Dameron <laughs> yes please <laughs> I'm so sorry, no, we're not. <laughs> no, we are not. I'm so no, sorry really, the, the initial gonna... shock off we're going to have. <laughs> we're going to talk about Poe Dameron because since we last potted the cast, a new issue of the Poe Dameron comic came out. So whenever there's a new issue of the Poe comic, we are going to, instead of having a Rogue One question at the beginning of the podcast, briefly walk through and discuss the most recent issue so we are discussing poe dameron number two this week let's kick it off we left issue number one with poe and company discovering that the first order had arrived on the planet with those egg worshiping people yeah um so then we open this issue with agent Terex flying on a speeder with some stormtroopers some really awesome art there um and he confronts the egg worshippers and tells them that he's looking for Poe. And then we immediately go into a flashback. Um, Terex is on the carrion spike talking to a holo of Captain Phasma, her first appearance in the comic. I was, I was very happy to see her appear. She had about as many lines in this comic issue as she did in The Force Awakens. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe more. Maybe more. <laughs> Um, and I'll so say Faz- it again, it's just so fun to be in a, have a comic in an era where we can have these characters from the movie showing up like this. Yes. It's so fun. Yes, it's very exciting. So she gives Terex the mission to go find Poe, and she says, we need to know what he got and what the Resistance intends to do with it, because if you remember from issue one, Leia gives Poe um, info on Lorsan Tekken, how he's still alive, and was like, the First Order doesn't know about this yet. They think he's dead. So now they're trying to track down Poe to figure out what it is he has. Um, Terex kind of slips in a little info that he knows about Starkiller Base, which surprised Phasma. And he says, it's my job to know everything, Phasma. It's also my job to keep secrets. Ooh. It kind of surprised me that someone seemingly this high up in the First Order this close to the force awakens would not have known about star killer base that it was like such a big secret yeah yeah like it's kind of giant right i think it is like, like kind of far literally out a planet yeah it, that's true and i think because it was built out of a planet like its appearance wouldn't set off as many alarms mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it's yeah. just like a planet was there and a planet is still there because it's not a planet that is regularly like used Right, it was probably pretty desolate given the climate. Yeah, and like if it was Ilum, 
potentially, which it might be, um, nobody would really know about it except for the Jedi who would have used it back in the past. So it wouldn't have been a regularly traveled planet. So its existence is probably pretty easy to keep secret in such a big galaxy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I guess in Force Awakens, we do hear Hux tell Snoke the weapon is ready, which maybe means that they were just waiting until they knew they could use it before actually telling everyone about it. And that up until then, it was this top secret thing. Sure. And yeah. I mean, they could even be stationed on the base and not realize, kind of the same as the Death Star, really. Like, they could have right. been on the Death Star but not realized what, what the Death Star... And, do. like, in fact, we saw that in Lost Stars. Like, they didn't realize what it was capable of until, yep. you know, Alderaan was already spaced us. Right, because no one told them that, like, this is what we're going to use this for. Right. Because why would they tell them that this is a mass <laughs> This murdering. is a murder weapon. <laughs> this, is, this is a genocide machine. <laughs> But it's for a good cause, okay, guys? (laughs) I promise. (laughs) So after that, we head back to the egg planet, and Terex is threatening the egg worshippers because he really wants to find Poe. Poe is witnessing all this happening. He's sort of in hiding. Um, He sends a message back to Snap and Black Squadron that he needs some help, and he asks them to give me some leverage. And there's this really interesting thing where the Resistance pilots aren't supposed to engage with First Order pilots unless they're first fired on and vice versa. So there's this weird little stalemate where Black Squadron is flying around and they're not firing on, on anyone and the First Order pilots aren't firing on anyone. Everyone's just like kind of fire or just flying around looking at each other until Lulo, God bless his little heart, his finger slipped. And he fires onto the first order base. Oh, I love Lulo, them. you're too old I, for this. I, sh- I, love I that like, so I much. like that. That was my favorite part because it was just like, whatever. Yeah, he's like, look, someone has to do something here. <laughs> right. He's too old for this stuff. Yeah. Whatever, forever. So then we cut back inside to the egg worshippers' cavern, and Poe surrenders. Um, he tells Terex that his squadron is taking care of things outside. Terex's troops then start burning the egg, which I'm sure is probably really stressing out the egg worshippers. And (laughs) Terex tells them, I didn't come here alone either. And then we cut away to a Maxima A-class heavy cruiser that dispatches even more First Order troops and ships towards Black Squadron. They're in trouble. The end. How are they going to get out of this? Right? I think Poe might die. (laughs) That's, That's kind of the weird thing with comics like this it, the stakes always feel a little low because like you know where poe's story is going yeah you know he eventually gets out and gets to jakku and everything i mean i guess the fate of these new characters we're being introduced to is less clear but ultimately ultimately we like we know what happens to poe yeah though i guess with characters like kare and lulo who have been in previous things we at least Someone have attachments to them, so yeah, their lives matter. And I don't know about you all, but after one issue, Tarek's life very much matters to me. Like, this I guy like was him. an absolute delight. Yeah. <laughs> like, the yeah, way he was portrayed, really like, good. this was the essence of that when they were talking about having the weird, like, 70s, like, disco era. What was it? Like, super weird sci-fi. What was the quote yeah, that they yeah. said? Like, 70s sci-fi. Like, this guy embodies mm-hmm. exactly that. And yeah, I, yeah. he was just totally delightful. Yeah, you're right. I remember after she won, 
thinking to myself, I didn't really see that at all. But you're right that he kind of fills that role pretty well. The egg thing, like the egg cult and yeah, the, the entire thing, kind of fills that as well. The weird, yeah. It's definitely something you would have seen in like one of those comics as some side story like this. Just people with a giant egg, like hippies with an egg. I, I yeah. love it. I'm so in for this. I don't know why, like because it's literally the dumbest thing. But I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. this is a comic about some egg people protecting their giant egg and this like totally over-the-top villain like targeting them. But Poe Dameron's there, so it's all good. It's just great. I yep. would still love that that idea, even if Poe wasn't there. But the fact that Poe is there makes yeah, it even it better. Just, yeah. Like, the, I just love the giant egg cult like, so much. I don't even know why. this story wouldn't work if it was a Ray story or a Finn story, but because it's Poe, like, it just makes it that much better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're just like, oh, of course this is what he has to deal with. <laughs> Finn would just be like, this is the dumbest thing ever, and shoot the egg. You just leave. And, and just Ray. Like, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. I hope they never even really explain the egg thing yeah, anywhere. Totally- and that it's just like, yeah, there's this culture that worships an egg. The end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my favorite part in this. All over the galaxy. My favorite part in this, in this issue was like when... Um, Lulo flies past the first time. He's like, woohoo! And the, the TIE fighter's like, should we go after him? The other one's just like, eh. <laughs> I love eh. it. The apathy is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> they feel really like good. real people. So yeah, that's issue two. Um, we'll be back for issue three, and I don't know off the top of my head when it drops, but when it does, we'll talk about it. Thanks, Poe. Thanks for being you. Even though you weren't really in this very much. Yeah, this, this was all about Terex, really. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. This was the introduce the villain issue. Thanks for providing this vehicle for us, Poe. Yes. It's going to be a good ride. And speaking of good rides, let's talk about about Poe Dameron again. (laughs) (laughs) Which, in all honesty, these chapters were not a good ride. Um, No. These were some of the heaviest chapters that we really see um, in, in... in respect to the Kratos virus, as well as to like politics and kind of the background stuff that's going on. There's heavier chapters later, but it's more of an emotional thing rather than just horrors. So (laughs) at the beginning of chapter 12, we see Rogue Squadron attempting to help those infected by the Kratos virus. It's focusing on Gavin, who is throwing up after entering a domicile and he's having a very hard time coping and no one can blame him and he continues to try his best and so he's in the situation where a lot of the humans are out checking on people checking on beings who might be infected who are infected with kratos in order to assess what they can do for them or to handle any damage that they need to do because they have to do something to get Kratos under control. So Gavin arrives at this Gamorian hut um, to see this Gamorian wife and her kids call in about her husband who has locked himself in their hut. And Gavin, you know, sends them away because they can they still have the chance to get infected. And he goes in to check on Tolra, the the male Gamorrean who locked himself in, and it's just, it's all of the terrible things that you could imagine that's happening from a virus that melts people's bones. 
It's yep. disgusting. The Pretty reading the description bad. was really horrifying. Yeah. Uh, the What I put in the show notes, I can't, can't actually say on air because it is swearing. <laughs> <laughs> because it's just, it's gross. It's bones are melting, but skin is coming off of, of what's left. And it's just, it's someone slowly melting. And... It's cruel because this was a this was a virus that was made to hurt people, and I mean people as in sentient beings, in the slowest, gruesome ways possible. Yeah, like they keep their sentience and everything right until like the last possible moment. Right. It's just awful. It's horrifying. Yeah, and. Gavin, Tolra, the Gamorian, Gavin tells his wife and his kids that to reassure them that Tor was brave and smart and that they saved a bunch of people by doing what they did. But when he goes back in to check on him, Tora is still barely alive. He ends up actually dying just from the movement of turning his head to look at Gavin. And that's the last of it. Which is terrible <laughs> and uh. Gavin being the precious baby he is you know whispers to the now deceased Tolra you saved him you did it may the force be with you which <sighs> I know so a little background on Gamorrean culture for you all in the Gamorrean culture the women are the ones who go off and fight in the wars and they are the warriors and the men stay home and care for the children so in my tragic headcanon, this mother is back with her kids for probably the first time in many years, and they're watching the parent, the only parents that they've ever known to take care of them their entire lives, dying in bed. Wow. Oh. Way to make Danny. it worse. Danny, why? <laughs> I'm in pain. Danny. Oh, that's way worse. It's fine. Everything is fine. Oh, nothing is fine. Nothing's, nothing is so, fine at all. Gavin comes out. Um, after calling a, a team to come and basically burn the hut to the ground. That's hut with because, one T, by the way. Yeah. I mean, they should probably burn some huts to the ground anyway. But no. <clears throat> but the only way they can really deal with the Kratos from spreading is by just burning it all. Which probably doesn't look very good. A lot of the, the beings around, you know think of the damage control that's being done really just as not something that positive, but just something where it, destruction follows in the path. But there's really not an alternative to it, because even like dousing everything in Bacta isn't going to work. So, really that's, they have so, such limited options in order to just contain it. Oh my gosh, this and, is all so dark. Yeah. Would you like and, to make it darker and do a dramatic reading? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So there's this excellent conversation between Asir and Gavin. Asir crouched down beside him. The clean team will get here shortly. Are you all right? Gavin thought a moment before he answered. I will be, and I think that's what scares me. No reason it should. I think there is. He jerked a thumb a toward the hovel. <laughs> there's a Gamorrean in there who's been turned into a massive jelly. The disease killed him, but it did so in a way that didn't let him die until he could experience every fragment of pain possible. There's nothing left to him. 
But he was still breathing when I went in there. He was so tough, he probably lasted longer than a week in the end stages of the disease. The Bothan stroked Gavin's cheek. He fought the disease. That's good. Sure, but the fact that we can find something noble in this seems twisted. He shook his head. I've seen more death in my time with Rogue Squadron than I have ever seen before, but nothing was so hideous as this. A year ago, I, w- I would have run screaming. Now just clean my boots and wait for guys with sterilizer units to show up. I'm changing, and I'm not sure I like it. A seer smiled gently at him. It's called maturing, Gavin, and not everyone likes it. Now me? I think you're maturing very well. Gavin half-coughed a laugh. <laughs> Thanks, but I still have to wonder if it's right that we can see something like that and just continue on. We continue on, my dear, because we must. Asir's voice developed an edge. The Gamorian. He summoned up the strength to lock others out and protect them. That was good. You and I, though, have a different mission. This disease doesn't appear to affect our species, so we have volunteered to help out during this public health crisis. But that is not our primary purpose here. Our mission is to fly our X-Wings, to locate and destroy the kind of monsters who would do this kind of thing to others. Doing that requires all the maturity we can muster. I know. He rubbed a hand along her spine, then looked over to where Mtray was conversing with an MDO and two men carrying portable plasma incinerator units. The droid would take samples. Then the med would burn everything in the hovel, including the first five millimeters of ferrocrete, to a white ash that would be vacuumed up and disposed of safely. Gavin let Asir help him to his feet. You're right, of course. I hope we can accomplish our mission. If we don't, I'm afraid we'll have to take Coruscant down to bedrock, and I don't think even that will erase the scourge of the Empire from the galaxy. Ugh. Gavin, Asir. It's so dark we can't even joke about the little hints of trashy romance in there. I know. Right? So, like, when I saw the spot, like, running his head down his foot, I was like, ah-ha! You're like, yes, And then I got sad again. Oh, sad. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Then you're like, ah, yes, everyone's dying. That's right. (laughs) Excellent. This is the depressing episode of Rogue Padron. You know what would make it better? It's a little Kiritan lore. Yeah. 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 Well, lore. <laughs> <laughs> well, whether or not we want it, it's happening anyway. Oh, before I do want to just say that it was cool to see Gavin, like again, seeing the rogues playing these different roles. Like they're not just X-wing mm-hmm. pilots, but they're like filling in, doing all sorts of things. And seeing Doctor Gavin was really cool, despite the the heaviness of the story. Yeah, he's growing up so fast. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's so precious, but he's he's growing up so well too. Like, he hasn't... The fact that he's so concerned about what he's feeling shows that he's still Gavin, and he still has that heart to him. He's a feeler, not a thinker. Yep, he's a feeler. Feeling a seer, that's for sure. Oh! (laughs) Hey! So how about that Kirsten lore, eh? Be careful! (laughs) So, we do go back to kitten lore, and... He is watching his minions do all the work, of course. By all the work, I mean set explosives and then break into a house. And <laughs> as he walks into this house, he compares himself to Vader, which is like the most arrogant thing ever. Like even more than Tarkin. He's like, oh, but I just love the fear that Vader instilled in his like minions. No Why one's afraid like of you. This? No one's afraid of you, Lore. Nobody so, at all. So gross. I like that he turned Vader into an adjective. Yeah, right. Vaderian terror. 
Ugh. Lore, stop. Stop this, Lore. So he's breaking into this house because he wants to bully some scumbag um, who has been... Sorry to interrupt. Oh, yeah, go ahead. But in the process of breaking into this house, he stepped over a drooling Ithorian. See, I wanted to skip that part. <laughs> we need to talk about this. <laughs> this is our first sign that the Ithorians are being affected by the Kratos. <laughs> I was just hoping he was drooling because somebody knocked him out. And so he was just lying there like... Yeah, I thought, I thought he was just repercussions from the explosion. Okay, yes, yes, that, yes. Yep, yeah. yep, yep, yep. Okay, yeah. cool. Moving on. I mean, that's not good, but also it's better than... It's better than, it's better than, than, than the Kratos. Kratos. Yeah. I'll take it. I'll take it. Yep. It's fine. You were saying? We're probably wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Captain America is the worst. <laughs> wow. Wow. Shots fired. That was not a proportional response. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not to you. <laughs> We're letting the Kratos turn us against each other. We can't do this. Rogue Padron, Civil War. (laughs) We have to unite in these dark times. I'm already out. Uh, So as the Athorian recovers in the main room, Laura goes to go bully some scumbag human who has been selling him and his friends. He doesn't really have any friends, but his friends uh, back to on the black market. And said scumbag told some folks that the back to market is crashing. So Kitten wants to know why he said that. And apparently Rogue Squadron's back to score was huge enough that the New Republic now feels like they can gain control of the virus. And Lore understands that this is probably just wishful thinking because it would take more back to than they could that's probably even currently made in order to cure the planet of kratos but he still wants to know what's going on what happened with rogue squadron and demands that the scumbag now owes him favors for i guess not killing him goes and finds out information about it lore of course is going to use this information to just destroy the stash in order to cause upset and unrest in the new republic After he leaves uh, the scumbag's house, he just monologues for like two pages about how nothing he does is ever good enough for Iceheart. And (laughs) it's the worst. Whenever I think he might start to get better, he does something like that. And I'm just like, nah, you're still the same old lore. Yeah. Like every time I'm like, okay, maybe you're getting a little ruthless. It's going to be cool. You're going to mess some stuff up. Then he's just like, hmm, Iceheart. I'm just like, ugh. You're so gross. So gross. So that's the end of chapter 10. So much fun there. Cool, great. Moving right along to chapter 11. Yeah, so chapter 11 is politics! Yay! Yay! So here we learn about how Leia became a... Oh, wait, I'm sorry. What's this? Not Bloodline. Uh, Spoiler alert, Danny. Although, good book. Everyone should read it. Yeah, go check it out. Get it from your local library. (laughs) Anyway, so it opens with Akbar reminiscing about lessons that Tarkin taught him, which was how politics are a soft warfare, much like the elegant lightsabers, (laughs) which (laughs) sounds like something Tarkin would say. Yep. Basically, this opening just describes that Akbar is so done 
with the council and he doesn't want to be there he just wants to leave the military but this is the price he has to pay for it right away we get some good akbar ocean isms like you're asking us to deal with the undertow before the wave has crested <laughs> what does so that good. even mean so good. <laughs> it means you're putting the horse before the cart what <laughs> <laughs> did you just counter an oceanism with a horseism? I sure did. <laughs> what are you, some kind of horse alien species? Uh, what are you trying to say, Danny? I don't know. It sounded kind of mean, though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this Kratos virus. So mean. What if the Kratos virus just made people mean? <laughs> They're like super honest. Yeah. <laughs> no filters. <laughs> oh my gosh. But basically. Uh, they're talking about how to deal with Kratos and what to do with Bacta, and every everybody, and by everybody I mean Borsk Freyla, is just having the worst ideas. <laughs> so, just par for the course, really. Normal. Here. Yep. Yeah. Just another day in the galaxy <laughs> far, far away. Akbar also says trouble is a vast ocean, which I agree with. <laughs> <laughs> That's just period. Does not need any explanation. Borsk is basically saying that the big problem they have to deal with right now is how to prepare for the counter-strike from, war- from Warlord Zinge for them taking all of his Bacta. And Akbar points out that they really should not be worrying about this because Warlord Zinge attacking them has always been an issue. And they have always been on alert and considering how to deal with it. It's not a new thing that needs to prepare for. First and foremost is the Kratos virus and what to do with the Bacta because that's something that is the most pressing for the council. <clears throat> that guy, Warlord Zinge, I tell you. Yeah. So he, we haven't seen him, but he's just causing so much trouble. I think he's in is cahoots he with Borsk. <laughs> Wait, Saf's okay. question is much more relevant here. <laughs> <laughs> what did Saf say? Is he hot? <laughs> Maybe. Can I Google him and just not read no. anything? No, you can't. Oh, I want to know what he looks like. Okay, I'm, <laughs> let me Google him and I'll see if he's hot. Okay, okay. Are yeah, you shipping out. Borsk, Phalia, and Warlord Zinge? Maybe. No, it's just my general question when I'm reading Star Wars books. Like, is this character hot? Like, it's it's a game I play. Ah, <laughs> uh, nah. He's, uh, from what I can tell... He's kind of like a human version of a Gamorrean in the way that he's built. Okay, but he's definitely super pansexual, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Maybe he used to be a Gamorrean. We don't know. What if There's he's science. a Gamorrean human hybrid? Oh, he could be. Diversity. Yeah. <laughs> Think about <laughs> that for a second. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Borsk wants to use the Bacta as preventative measures for folks, like Bothans, rather than directly treating the sick. So his idea is to open these, like, misting clinics where people can get Bacta misted, much like they are in the council room, in order to, like, somehow build up an immunity to Kratos, which is not how those things work. And he's being a total a-hole when Leia points out that this is all rubbish. 
and she he ends up twisting all of her words around, insinuating that she doesn't want to save non-humans, and that she only appeases people like Akbar because of the military that's behind him. Thankfully, some of the other council members stand up for her, saying that, hey, Borsk, this is not really a good idea, and don't alienate Princess Leia because she's a baller. But <clears throat> surprisingly... Borsk has one good point, probably his only charm point out of anything, is that he points out the fact that prejudices are systemic and that even the language of, like, non-human and alien implies that being human is the norm and that people are going to be predisposed to do things even when they don't think that they're being speciesist. Huh. Yeah. (laughs) We're really glad Borsk took that one, like, class in university <laughs> about racism. Good yeah, work, Borsk. It's like, he, like, for a second seems like he has a really strong grasp of social justice issues, but more likely I feel like he just happened to stumble upon this one accidentally. <laughs> right. Borsk goes on to say that humans shouldn't be making decisions about the Bacta because they are unaffected by the virus. Akbar counterpoints that Borsk will also have to excuse himself from that conversation because there haven't been any cases of Bothans getting sick. Oh! Ak- oh. Yeah. Yeah, bro. Yeah. Akbar continues to shut down his plan of mistreatments, saying that it will, A, have too many people crowded in one area, which would only make the dis- like, if anybody has a trace of the disease, then everybody is going to get sick. And B, it could cause a mutation to make Kratos resistant to Bacta. Okay, so this weekend, I finally did the thing. I finally listened to Hamilton. And uh-huh. Yeah, this is like cabinet battle. Yeah, I want this cabinet. I want someone to write this as a cabinet battle song, like, right now. Like, rap battle between Borsk and Akbar. Yep. Epic <laughs> that would Gosh. be really good, actually. That'd be amazing. Good. Homework. Akbar then explains his plans, which is to first secure the water supply, since we know and he knows that a lot of the virus went through that. And the second is to continue to control and cure populations that are sick. And he shout outs to the humans for working tirelessly to help those populations. And third, they need to get the black market under control. And, of course, Borsk is like, oh, how can we even do that? You're just saying we're not going to do anything different from what we're doing now. And Akbar's like, please stop. <laughs> and his, his big thing is that the council needs to stop acting like they are different from the population. By them hiding away, using their bactimists, it doesn't give confidence in the people that things are going to be okay. And he says that if we project the image that says the virus can and will be defeated, everybody will do what they can to defeat it. Just like they did for the rebellion. They had to believe that they could defeat the, empi- defeat the empire in order to actually do it. That makes sense. Yeah. Sounds like the kind of thing that a high school teacher would say. Mind over matter. <laughs> yeah. Take notes, Danny. <laughs> you would know, Danny. <laughs> So the military model will be used to curtail Kratos, but they have a different idea for how to handle the black market. In addition to the new, the new New Republic security force under the Elder Kraken, Fleury Voru has offered them help. And remember, he's the scary ex-moff uh, that we released from Kessel. Uh, 
which was just a great decision that we're never going to regret, right? Nope, never. Never. Uh, Fleury explains that he feels like his debt to the Republic has not been paid because even though he did a little bit to help the liberation of Coruscant, he also let Patches F everything up. So it's not quite quite even. And he seems to be a man who likes no red in his ledger. No, it's fine. Just tell him it's fine. Tell me forgive him. <laughs> it's fine. Just go go away. Go somewhere else. He explains that the problem with the black market right now, and that although he tried, Vader did too good of a job of dismantling Black Sun. What Voru wants now is freedom, and that many of those... Many of the people that the Empire deemed as criminals really weren't back in the day, or maybe they were just, they had to stay criminals because there was no other option under the Empire. And so he has a group who is now willing to play by the New Republic's rules in order to conquer and control the black market, which seems weird, but whatever. So they are willing to disrupt and break the black market and control the underground, something that the New Republic security force will never be able to do. The council semi-reluctantly agrees to it, but they really realize they don't really have a good option other than this. And an enemy of my enemy is probably a friend or at least someone who won't screw us over immediately. Akbar then ends the conversation by being fierce and tells Voru that you have earned trust, spend it unwisely, and I'll do what I must to settle your account. Yes. <laughs> so good. I love some good Akbar shade. Akbar is so good. <laughs> Akbar is my fave in these situations. He's just I feel like it's him and Princess Leia who really have a grasp on both sides of what's going on. Like, but Leia is much more diplomatic because she has to be, and that's really how she was raised. But Akbar is, from the very beginning, it's about survival, and it's about doing what you have to do. So, Admiral Akbar, the Mon Kalahati, number one in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> so good. For chapter 12, we go back to the cliffhanger from last episode, where Wedge is on his way to see Mirax about the thing that could rip the New Republic apart, probably. And Wedge is fretting in the back of a cab, <laughs> thinking that maybe the Bacta they stole from Zinj is contaminated, and that would mean that the Republic would just look straight up awful, because they would have to take all the Bacta back, which would make the public either super paranoid that they're hoarding it for themselves or, or in addition to being super angry that no one's getting treatment and it would really just be a mess. That's probably the perfect kind of thing to take your mind off the fact that you just showed up at the girl you have a huge crush's house at, prepared to tell her all your feelings, only to discover that she had a husband and then just told them both your feelings <laughs> because why not? <laughs> yep. Yeah, let's not forget that that happened. (laughs) When Wedge does things, he goes all out, okay? Go big or go home. Yeah, like he wasn't just going to go home and play video games. He has to go solve, like, potentially a government-ending crisis. Also, just imagine imagine if you're Iella and Derek, and he's, like, like, made him this super awkward situation, and then all of a sudden he's like, oh, I have to go. I just found out there's a thing that could tear the Republic apart. And they're just like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, sure, sure, buddy. Okay, yep. you, you go if save the Republic. If that's what you need to say to get out of this situation. 
Uh, <laughs> right. Oh, sorry. I have to go deal with some stuff right now. <laughs> it's not a big Rain deal. It could just dinner. literally tear the Republic apart. You know, Yell's probably like, oh, he's so dramatic. <laughs> no. Probably I mean, not. she is used to Corrin, so. Yeah, right. She's used to Because Corrin probably did say those things to get out of, like, blind dates or something like that. <laughs> Or if he, like, woke up from a one-night stand and he was like, oh, I have to go save the government! <laughs> and just rushes out. That would be such a convenient excuse. Yeah. Way to be a jerk, Warren. <laughs> New headcanon. So, as, is, as Wedge is making his way to the hangar where the Pulsar skate rests, he's really careful to make sure that no one is tailing him or kind of notices him and no one's out of place. And as he arrives, he notices that even Liat is serious, which causes him to have a bad feeling about this. Nirax? Mm, I see what you did there. Yeah, I quoted <laughs> the Star, Star Wars, Wars thing. <laughs> <laughs> Never this heard a, of it. It's a Star Wars podcast. <laughs> I love your nerd voice so much. <laughs> that was really good, actually. That's my nerd voice. I use it all the time. Really good. Um, Mirax, we find Mirax sitting in a dark room. She <laughs> <laughs> really needs to get over this. She's <laughs> right. just alone in a dark room. <laughs> All the lights are off. A single red light. Mm. Like, I imagine <laughs> turning the lights on and she's just sitting there, like, <laughs> staring off. Uh, it's so good. Like, listening oh. to really sad music. Yeah. <laughs> and Wedge notices that She's still mourning Corn's death, and he can tell by the way that her hair is because it was very <laughs> because it's exactly the way her that she wore her hair as she mourned her father being sent to Kessel. He can also tell by the fact that she's sitting alone in a dark room. <laughs> also that. <laughs> also angsty. So Wedge is like Mirax, what's going on? And surprise, it's Quilern Herf. <laughs> <laughs> it's who? Herf. Herf, 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 herf. I'm gonna say herf because I don't want it to be herf, uh, because that's different. <laughs> that's a different thing. Yeah. So Quilaren herf, a Raytrix who is one of the Ashuran rebels, and not just one of them, but the one that tipped off the New Republic about the Bacta score. The herf. <laughs> I don't want to say. <laughs> anymore. Here <laughs> gets handsy with Wedge during the introduction because the Raytrix believe that sight and sound are unreliable because they are already in the past when you sense them, which is actually pretty pretty interesting when you think about it. Yeah, or the kind of thing that you think about when you're super high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they only trust touch reports, which is why Hirf is busy like stroking Wedge's face. <laughs> I love maybe, that. Let's be honest. If you met Wedge for the first time, you'd probably oh, make up an excuse like that face. too. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. No, no. I swear. It's just because sight and sound is already in the past. <laughs> it's unreliable. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Absolutely. So the next couple chapters are back to history and politics. Which is basically that the Empire is the one that created the two prominent back-to-houses and set it up to w the way it is now. 
And the interesting part that I thought out of these paragraphs was that it was really the Clone Wars that showed how effective Bacta is and how it could be used basically as a cure-all. Ah. Before then, people knew that oh, it was kind of useful, but it was the Clone Wars that was like, it can save you even though you're missing like half of your body. Because everybody was dying. Money. Yeah, because everybody died. <laughs> And for some reason, I wrote a note that says Vratrix are cool, which... Did I write that? Did someone else write that? I don't know what I meant for that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I bet that was Denny. I have no idea. I mean, Uh, they are cool. They are pretty cool. We'll we'll save my discussion about the evolutionary history of the exoskeleton and the extrasensory abilities for another time, however. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah, let's. <laughs> so we find out that <laughs> this Bacta was actually a gift to Wedge from the Ashern, and they chose him specifically because he's known to be fair and wise, and he is a man who values loyalty, much like the Vratrix, which is pretty cute, and. They're giving him this gift in exchange for the hope that Wedge would represent them to the Provisional Council in order to join the New Republic. This obviously shocks Wedge because it would be a royal upset in everything. Because the Ashur- the Vratrix on Typhira are basically slaves. They are forced to make the Bacta by the Zoltan and the Zolpolka... I don't know, group (laughs) (laughs) by the two back to houses they are forced to do it and they really don't have a say in what's going on so for them to want to join the New Republic as a people as representatives of Typhera would just make the royal houses so angry (laughs) and potentially cut off all back to supplies to the New Republic this whole thing makes me so mad because I'm like, they are the original people of this planet. Like, they're the yeah. native people of this planet. They've been forced into slavery by these colonizers who are just getting money and then they want to have representation and represent their own planet. And like, I'm like, yeah, I want that to happen. And I'm like, but if they do that, then the back is going to stop and everyone's going to die and it's going to be really bad. So they, they can't do that right now. But I'm like, no, but I still want them to do it. And I'm, I'm Do just, it at I'm some so point torn. in the future, just not right now. Yeah. yeah, but then they're still under slavery, so I'm just like, it's awful to just leave them where they are. But then it's it's a really tough situation, and I do not envy Wedge right now. No, he's in a really difficult point. And the good thing is, is that um, the the sure know that this isn't feasible at the moment. That everything right now and the way that's going on with Kratos, they know that they have no hope of getting this to happen. So... What Kalarin's idea is, is that Kalarin's little group called Averichen came to Coruscant in order to figure out a cure for the Kratos because they're all medical geniuses and that's how they make Bacta. And so in order to, down the road, secure their freedom, they are willing to be here in this really dangerous situation because they could potentially catch the Kratos virus themselves. In order to figure out a cure, so it'll be a sign of goodwill, and the New Republic won't be as dependent on Typhera anymore. Wedge needs to talk to the Elder Kraken about this, because there's no way that they 
are going to be able to keep this completely secret from the government. But he's sure that it's all going to work out in their favor. And if they are, a- if Quilleran's Verachan are able to figure out a cure, he will do anything to help to stop Kratos, even going before the Provisional Council for them. So, good guy Wedge, doing everything he can. Yeah, I like Wedge. Such a yeah. good guy. So those are those chapters for this week. It was very heavy. They heavy. were intense. I'm glad that we're all still here. Mm-hmm. We're all still None friends. murdered each other. <laughs> Speaking of being friends, <laughs> last week we asked you all, well, not last week, I guess. It's been two weeks. Crazy. Yep, two weeks. Um, we asked you all to do a little bit of shipping and tell us what kind of dates you think Asir and Gavin go on. Some awesome responses, as always. Ian Miller said that Gavin and Asir sing A Whole New World on a speeder date flying over, sideways, and under. Oh, my God. (laughs) So So beautiful. You know that was Gavin's idea. (laughs) Absolutely. And he is definitely Jasmine's part. I was just going to say that they went to a karaoke bar and karaoke that song and gender swapped it. (laughs) Just like you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I've done that before. (laughs) <laughs> Nancy said he brushes her fur while they snuggle on the couch and watch Corson's next top model oh so good David Taman the third said hollow net and chill <laughs> <laughs> dang David it's good straight to the point <laughs> Jonathan Nerf Baker said sexy saxophone music and allergy medicine <laughs> also to the point oh. <laughs> Jay said they go on do runs, except it's a pun, and it's actually okay. I think that's appropriately weird enough. Yeah, anymore it would get inappropriately yeah. okay. weird. Good censorship, Jay. Mm-hmm. Well done. Raising fangirl said Wedge drops them off at the local mall, where they walk around, and every store, every story Gavin tells begins with this one time on Tatooine. <laughs> yeah, Gavin is real cute. So fresh. Luke Brywalker said, Gavin gets tickets to the Mon Cal Zero-G Water Ballet when a seer just wants to holo Netflix and chill. <laughs> Some common uh, themes here. I really like that pun. Also, Can I we want talk to about the... the Mon Cal Zero-G yes. Water Ballet. <laughs> Let's talk about that. I assume it's kind of like the Cirque du Soleil show O, but with Mon Cal and, like, magic. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Isn't that what they're doing like when Palpatine and Anakin are chilling and like Rage of the Sith? No, that's an opera, Saf. Come on. <sighs> Come on. They're all the same. <laughs> that's a bubble opera. It's different. That's right. That's this right. This is a zero G water ballet. <laughs> zero G water ballet. I want this to be a real thing so badly. Gosh, I hope in episode eight we see it. <laughs> yeah. Ryan Johnson, if you're listening, it's not too late. We know yeah. you're still filming. <laughs> Don't make it happen. Please make it happen. Uh, Connor and Star Wars said, Asir brings up R-rated naps cowardly, and Gavin has no idea what she's talking about. (laughs) Gotta go talk to Dr. Corrin. Yep, he'll tell you. Goodbye, Dr. Corrin. And then we have a bonus answer from Connor and Star Wars about the previous question we asked, which was about uh, Nawara's case that brought him to fame and he said it would be the case of who shot first Han or Greedo or the Death Star blowing up it was an inside job (laughs) (laughs) I mean yes (laughs) (laughs) and then 
finally, this is amazing, Sarah wrote an entire Gavin and Asir fanfic, which we will put up on our Tumblr. It is which, so good. By the way, I for those of you keeping track at home, Sarah has now written three times as many fanfics about Rogue Pattern as you have. Yeah. So. So, so get on it. Get, get on it. it. I will read just up. the very beginning of this fic. It's to really you all. cute. Absently rubbing her hands together, Seer strolled out of the refresher and cast a look around the quiet corridor, quickly spotting Gavin leaning against a nearby wall. Still planning on bunking here at headquarters tonight? She asked as she strolled up to him. Gavin stared, started slightly, looking away from the data pad he held in one hand. He blinked, brown eyes tired, but still alert. Yeah, he replied after a moment. I'm going to leave it there and just let you all go yeah. read it. It's so good. It's excellent. Thanks, Sarah. And then, yes, thank you, Sarah, for all of your amazing hard work on fanfics just for us. It's awesome. You're amazing, Sarah. So good. And then this week's question is... We're just going to straight up ask you, what's up with the egg <laughs> in the Poe comic? Like, why are these people worshipping an egg? What's your egg theory? I well, think I did... inside is just a bunch of mini eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, just... and inside of each of the mini eggs, is it a bunch of even smaller eggs? Yes, it's just And that they're endless... just going to break off into endless factions that worship eggs. Yeah, it's just endless eggs, eggs because it's the secret of life or something like that. Have you seen right. that video... Of that guy who, like, opens... He's got, like, an egg, a giant egg, and he opens the egg, and there's another egg inside the egg, and he's so excited about the egg inside the egg, because it's just such a good video, and now I'm just thinking about... them. The, like, like stormtroopers, like, bursting open the egg, and then, like, a million more little eggs come out, and all the egg cult people are just so excited about these tiny eggs. Oh, Seth, yeah. can you just keep saying egg forever, please? Why? Because I really like it's the great. way it sounds when yeah. you say Egg. 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 <laughs> egg. 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 How do oh, you it say sounds it? dumb now. We said it too much. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Next. I said um, on Twitter, totally joking. Well, am I joking? That Ray is inside of the egg. <laughs> <laughs> That's where she comes from. That sounds all great. of All of these people are Ray's parents. <laughs> <laughs> What if the egg is like the origin of the BB-8 droid? We've already seen BB-8. Oh, that's in a good this comic, point. though. But where did the ball come from originally? What if all of the BB-8s are actually like that ever existed? Are oh, there's from a million the BB-8s inside. <laughs> oh, that would be <laughs> so, be so cute. much cuteness. Maybe, no, there's there's a million eggs inside, and inside of every egg is a BB-8. There's a little BB-8. Oh, <laughs> with its little eyes <laughs> peeking out. And they have to hatch. Oh, yes. Um, Until eventually a say... shark comes and eats all of them except for one, and it's the little BB-8 with a deformed fin, and together with its father, it has to go find. I don't know where I'm going with this. You're wow. just saying fighting Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Jenny. I know my ocean movies. You can't fool me. I'm gonna say there's a Zillow beast inside. Oh, what? I like that. Yeah, the first Zillow beast since the Clone Wars. Yeah. They're planning a sort of Jurassic Park. Oh, they're like de extinction activists. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> mm. <laughs> Intrigue. 
<laughs> yeah, if you have a better theory than Ray being that egg, <laughs> hit us up at Rogue Podron on Twitter. You can email us, and now we will know to check the emails at roguepod at farfarawayradio.com. Our website is roguepodron.tumblr.com, and if you want to read Sarah's fanfic, we will put it up there with a link back to the AO3 link as well. AO3 page, I guess. And you can subscribe to our podcast via the Far Far Away Radio feed on iTunes, Stitcher, FeedBurner, or Google Play. Woo! So that's it for today's episode, but next time we'll have X-Wing, the Kratos Trap, chapters... 13 through 16. And with that, this is Rogue Padron signing off. Pash out. Pew, 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 pew. pew, pew egg, pew. egg, egg, egg. Egg, egg, egg. egg, egg. So many egg, eggs. Egg. So many eggs. <laughs> Rogue Leader signing off. Rogue Six signing off. Rogue Seven signing off. Rogue Three signing off. Can you imagine if it busts open with a billion eggs and Poe just says, so many eggs? Oh, I want that to happen so much. Can we, like, call up Chow Soul and just be like, hey, this yeah. needs to happen? We really need you to say, do so we have an idea for this. this really obscure in-joke on our really obscure podcast. <laughs> You're going to love it. It's going to be good, I promise. No, wait, just let us explain. So many balls is funny because... <laughs> just listen to the show. Just hear us out. <laughs> There was this one time when Heath said so many balls. No, Meg said so many balls. Oh, Meg said so many balls. Meg. <laughs> oh, I don't even know the origin story of our best God, inside jokes. It's because we were all just yelling it after that. <laughs> <laughs> God, we're such children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rage. Oh, that doesn't even work out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Have you just been thinking about that? I just saw his tweet at me. I tweeted it at her after I thought about it, after we talked about it. <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> I want it to happen just so that one of my stupid theories can be right one day. Saf, if you're going to put all your money on one of your stupid theories, please make it not that one. <laughs> yeah, I was like, is that really the one you're going to pick for that? <laughs> That's no. the one you're going to stake it all on? <laughs> No, of all my stupid theories, that is probably being inside the <laughs> Guys, well, that's such a thinking. weird question, and I'm so glad we asked it. <laughs> such, I'm so excited. It's for so us. <laughs> What's in the egg? <laughs>